and welcome to the GVA Legal Podcast. My name is Jean Kambuni and I'm your host. Today we're delving into a topic that's often met with a mix of curiosity, skepticism and even a tiny touch of taboo, prenuptial agreements. Love and legalities may seem like an unlikely pairing, but in a world where relationships and finances are both complex, prenuptial agreements or prenups as they're called have become a consideration for many modern couples. In studio to discuss this topic is Rose Mbanya. Rose is the founder and team leader of RW Mbanya and Company Advocates and she's a family law specialist. Welcome Rose. Thank you very much Jean. We're very glad to have you. I'm going to start from the beginning. Very very obvious question. Mm -hmm. What is a prenuptial agreement and are they legal in Kenya? Okay a prenuptial agreement is an agreement that people who intend to get married, get into to determine their rights and obligations, especially with regards to property and finances. Are they um, acceptable in Kenya? Yes, they're actually an express provision in the Matrimonial Property Act. So they are provided for and they are enforceable. Now, are they really binding? Is anything really binding? Can I come later and mm -hmm. challenge that prenuptial agreement? No. Well, let's put it this way. A prenuptial agreement is a contractual um, agreement, all right? So it is not something that you go into um, without thought. So all the elements of contract as we know them, yeah, consent, um, one being aware of what they are writing, uh, signing and ensuring, therefore, it's binding are all elements that um, inform the prenup. So it is not something to just do in jest or, you know, to get into it with the hope that it's all right, it will never work. You can be held to account on the prenuptial agreement that you have made. And now, based mm -hmm. upon that fact that I can be held to account, mm -hmm. let me use myself as an example. Yes. Let's say I'm, mm -hmm. um, I'm in my 30s. Yes. Um, I'd, I'd like to get married and mm -hmm. um, I'm in a relationship with this gentleman and he comes and he tells me, um, here's a prenuptial agreement. Mm -hmm. What should I do if someone mm -hmm. asks me to sign a prenup? Okay. And that's an interesting question. So most likely your gentleman will not come and tell you here is a prenup. Okay. Most likely... Or what is supposed to happen is that you and your gentleman will go to a person who knows how to prepare a prenuptial agreement so that it is not a fait accompli of one of the parties telling the other, sign this. It is, in fact, a situation where there has to be full disclosure. You see? So let's take it back a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's an agreement about your property rights. And how those will be governed or dealt with in the marriage that you're intending to go into. So I have got my things right and so does he. So there's that full disclosure. So we need to, first of all, agree what is it that we want inside our agreement. And so we put that down. Then we have to agree how do we want it to be dealt with? What will be separate property? What will be property that we will say is for both of us? Do I have other children outside here? And how are they going to be catered for? And then you then both sign. You understand? So it's different from, here, Rose, you want to get married to me? Sign this. No, no, no. It's a document that you prepare, both of you. Well, you could say this. One of you could have it prepared. Prior. But they are, yeah, prior. Mm -hmm. But the other one must have the opportunity to read it 
to align themselves with it, to agree or disagree, to amend or edit or remove or add. And then it can then be called an agreement because it's an agreement when both people yeah. And I asked this question Are because, aligned. and I think I'll come back to that part um, yeah. a little later, okay. but let me go into the critical provisions. So yeah. now that it is an agreement between the two of us yes. and both of us um, walk into it eyes wide open, Correct. knowing exactly what each of us is bringing to this marriage. Yeah. What are the critical provisions that are meant to be in a prenup? If we were to look at a prenup and say that there must be certain prerequisites mm-hmm. that um, were unnecessary, what would they be? Okay. I would say this, of course, number one, the identity of the parties, that's crucial, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) Then number two, because it's to do with property rights, let's think about what property rights would be. There's issues related to finances. So are there um, chunks of money that you have that you need to disclose prior to getting married? You want to put them there. Are there stocks and shares that you have that, you know, without even saying, they are this much. You can say, I have them and they are in this place so that you put them there. Then are there properties, immovable properties? I've got land here and I've got land there. You put them there. Now, in being clear about what must be in the prenup, one must also find out why is this particular couple coming for the prenup? because it then determines those elements. A lot of times it might be a couple, and usually you'll find, especially now, that it is once beaten, twice shy. So a lot of people maybe who have come away from a first marriage and have had to go through the division of matrimonial property, when they are taking a second chance at marriage, they want to be a little bit more careful. Such people, it is often likely that they are also coming maybe with children. So identify that as well. Are there children that are coming in and so that we can then determine how shall we deal with your set of children that you're coming with and my set of children as we go to blend this family. So it's mainly the properties that you have, the people that will be affected by the... um, Impending marriage. Exactly. Well, now, um, I, I like that we are looking at it from that perspective, mm-hmm. but I want to have another um, question that I want to ask on. Yeah. Um, can you review? Do you Absolutely. have, is, there, is, there, is that a necessary clause that can go into the agreement? Or can we say that once we are here, mm-hmm. this is done? Can we put in, would a review clause be an, a necessary element of it? I'd say this, mm-hmm. that whenever you get into an agreement, a contractual situation, you've weighed all the issues. But nothing can ever be cast in stone. And especially when it's to do with marriage, because we know how organic and how delicate the institution of marriage can be. Changes happen. People leave. People die. Children come. Children don't come when they were expected. And you may at the time, because remember, a prenup is before marriage. So you go into marriage with all of these intentions. We might have other children and you've probably even put clauses about how that will happen. What if that union is not blessed with children? Yeah. What if after you've put in all of that, there is then um, my brother passes on and so his children have got to come into our unit. And so there might be need for reviewing, need for changing. So to 
answer your question directly, <laughs> a review clause is an advisable thing to have in your prenup. How we usually say it is in the event of change of circumstances, parties will be at liberty to review so that they can always come back. What is important, however, is say, for example, today is um, August of 2023 and we want to get married. And so we put, we, we have the basic structure of the agreement. To review it, it has to again be done by the two parties. It has to be in writing. Mm -hmm. It has to, it cannot be unilateral. I cannot say now I'm fed up or things have happened and he must know that things have happened and therefore I'm squishing in clause number 7A because he, he should know, you know, he should see how logical it is to do that. It has to be done just as properly as you did the first time round, yeah? And um, one of the things that I should have mentioned when you are asking, are they enforceable? To the extent that you have agreed or not you have agreed on and you have appended your hand on it, it is enforceable. But in the event that in the cause of marriage or in the cause of just looking at your situations, you find out that it's just not working, you know, the, the clauses in there are not working. There are instances when you can then apply to the court, note, you've got to now apply, apply to, to get yourself out of the bind that you put yourself in, in a prenup, and the courts will usually look for, was there fraud? Was there misrepresentation? Was there duress? And if there was any of that, then you can be freed from being bound by, by a prenup. Correct. Now, usually mm -hmm. a lot of the times, and you've mentioned this, that a lot of the people who get into prenuptial agreements are people who have been married in the past and now once bitten twice shy, they'd mm -hmm. like to enter in with a more um, clear um, a way that they can separate matrimonial property because really that's where it comes down Correct. to. So now mm -hmm. let's let's say that I got married. I got married maybe 10 years ago mm -hmm. in the year of our Lord 2013. Mm -hmm. And we signed a prenuptial agreement mm -hmm. at that time. Mm -hmm. And it was a valid prenuptial agreement. And we have lived by the clauses that it has had. Mm -hmm. And now in 2023, our marriage is not working. Mm -hmm. We've decided that we want to go our separate ways and go yes. through a full divorce process. Mm -hmm. What happens during a divorce if a couple has a prenup in place? Okay. Again, good question. The way our law is currently uh, phrased, first dissolve the marriage, then we can deal with the issues relating to the division of your matrimonial property. Now, if you already have a prenup, and by, you know, it was not, out, uh, it was not um, entered into through fraud or coercion or duress. And it is something that both of you are happy to be bound with. When you complete, you know, as you're filing your divorce petition, you could put a clause in there that in as far as issues relating to our property rights, we did get into an agreement, dated that, and both parties would like to have that lodged as part of the orders of, of this, this court. court. Note, we have done that now in the divorce cause. If you do not have um, such an agreement, and if you're not able to agree, and I'll urge that we talk a little bit about our settlement deed, because it's the same as like a post-nup, but we'll talk about it. So if you do not have any of those things, it would mean that you must complete your divorce and then move to the high court for the division 
of matrimonial property. And so um, if it is done well, well-intentioned, well-drafted document, then it saves that couple a lot of headache and a lot of time and expense because you then have an agreement that will really take care of things. Yeah, I like to say it's like a will, but for the marriage, for as long as the marriage is alive, we're good to go. When the marriage dies, then there's this little wheel that we call the post-nup that will take care of how, how things things. will be dealt with. In the absence of that, then, yeah, I guess, you know, you have to go for your mediations, go fight it out in court, do the division of matrimonial property. Now you've you've hinted at it and yeah. I wanted to ask this. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like sometimes a lot of marriages, um, we all enter in with the notion of love and, and that we are here forever and Correct. ever. Therefore, um, the prenup, even even with wills, a lot of people don't like to do wills because mm. they feel like it's 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 a signal that I am going to die. So you don't <laughs> want to do a prenuptial agreement mm-hmm. because it's a signal that the marriage could break down. Right. Even though it's just a fail-safe, mm. they just don't want to do it. So let's say I, I got married and mm. I did not do a prenuptial agreement, right. but I feel like I, I would want to, or, or as both spouses, we have we are agreed that it would be something wise to have in place. Mm-hmm. Are we stuck? Can we do something like a post-nuptial agreement okay. or as you called it, a settlement deed? Okay, so... The answer is yes, but I'll say this, you won't find the post-nap provision in the law. But I always say that man was created for the law and not the other way around. And so, looked at logically, because it is a contract between two parties that want to agree on something, if those two parties want to agree before their marriage, We'll call it a prenup, isn't it? Because they want to really determine their property rights and how they will be handled. If after three years of marriage, a couple of things are changing and you're both realizing, you know what? I think we should write something. There's no reason whatsoever why you shouldn't be able to write it. We'll call it a post-nup. A settlement deed might be a little bit different. It might be now the marriage is on the rocks and we need... But we don't want to fight about this. It's been 10 years. Yeah, I've had you some and you've had me some. But we don't want to tear each other apart. We are both reasonable. We want to be reasonable about it. Then you can get into a separation deed where you're saying it's coming to an end. As it's coming to an end, we're looking back and we're saying, um, by the time we were getting married, I had this and you had this. Let's agree you'll keep what was yours. Let's agree I'll keep what was mine. We also then acquired this, this, and that together. Let's agree you'll take this one. I'll take this one. And then this third one, we can split it and each take half. Or we've now been blessed with three children. We'll divvy it up, put it in trust for our children, or make it an account where the education. So it is possible. It is possible to have the prenup, a post-nap in the cause of marriage and a settlement deed when it's coming, when, it, when, when it has come a cropper. Yeah. Well, I like that um, differentiation and I like the fact that the first two are just like a will. Um, when you're writing a will, you're you're living your life and you're just looking at your property and you're looking at how would I um, want for my property to be divided amongst my children, Correct. amongst any dependent that mm. I have. Mm. So looking at it in that way, then it doesn't mean that your marriage is coming to an end. It just means that you're being a conscientious couple and you're trying to understand, should this happen, exactly. this would be the most ideal way that we agree we mm. would separate our property. 
property. And yes. as you said, should the marriage come to an end, then you just give in that agreement and the court ac- accepts, accepts it. it. Exactly. And you go your separate yeah. ways in peace. Mm. I think what needs to happen is that we need to stop having the bleak view that because you are asking that I do a prenup, you don't trust me. And already there's a trust issue and that's a red flag and this thing is going to come to an end. I think it is important and, and, you know, and it is there. In fact, that's the one big issue that faces a lot of couples that are even thinking to do a prenup. Even as I'm thinking to do a prenup, I'm just wondering how do I even start this conversation? What will he think? For sure, this raises some flag on mistrust, isn't it? Yeah. But how about um, changing that narrative and helping people to see that actually it's a responsible way of dealing with your property rights. If nothing goes wrong, then it's still okay. Because in the event of, say, death, there is something that still helps people to know this is what was intended by this couple. If you live on forever, it's still okay because you're safe knowing this kind of investment, we say this one is the family investment. This other one that I do with my chama, we are already clear that I don't have to worry. Yeah, This one, I'll put it in. I know that um, he won't come for it. He himself also knows this other one that I'm doing with, I don't know, my pals and whatnot, that we're not including as matrimonial property. So it gives people the safety and the freedom to then invest freely as opposed to constantly wondering, wait a minute, I keep putting in everything. Am I putting in everything? And, and then, are you sure he's putting in everything? Exactly. You know, so I think it's the narrative that needs to change. And for people to know, just as wills, as we were saying, it is not signing your death sentence. It's really just a responsible way of helping people to know this is what our intentions were. In fact, helping yourselves as well. Yeah. And saving yourselves a lot of misery because it is not the prettiest sight. When people who have been living together, married, are now fighting in the courts to divide property that um, they've acquired during the period of marriage. You know, I want to deal with another elephant in the room, and this is a conception issue. And I feel like um, I like that you've actually been touching on on it, but just so that we can clear that thing, because I feel like it always is residual in everyone's mind. Are prenuptial agreements just for the wealthy? Whenever I think about a prenuptial agreement, Mm -hmm. and even as I was preparing for this episode, even though I know that it is a good thing to have, Mm -hmm. and we are changing, Mm -hmm. we are getting married older, we are having more property by the time we're getting married, but still, there's this um, notion, this... um, uh, underdog, big dog situation mm-hmm. where it's mm-hmm. usually the someone who comes from old money or a more established family right. that is the pusher of a prenuptial agreement mm-hmm. to protect their wealth against this intruder who Correct. is like social climbing Correct. <laughs> through them. So mm-hmm. is our prenuptial agreements, let's just clear that one for okay. the, and the people at the back mm-hmm. who didn't hear it. All right. So here it is. A prenup or a prenuptial agreement is for anybody. It's for any couple that intends to get married and want to safeguard or want to be clear about how their property rights should be dealt with. Okay? So it is for anybody. However, who usually comes, and you're correct, Jean, it's the same thing. I mean, I've <laughs> because in the course of my work, I've met people who say, but does a poor man write a will? 
you know, yeah. one of the one of the things that in your will you have to write is about an estate. Now, if I don't have an estate, what am I writing a will for? So it's the same thing. Maybe a young couple getting married who both have nothing and they're starting together would be wondering now, what are we putting in, in this, this prenup? Okay. So a lot of times, as a matter of fact, and as a matter of I want to say maybe practice. Practice. Mm-hmm. It will usually be the wealthier ones, the older ones, the ones who have been in a marriage before and do not want to go through what they've gone through the first time round. So that's generally the people that you will find doing prenups, but it does not stop anybody from doing it. Sometimes it can also be, let's say like if you're young, let's take an example. You're a budding actress. And so you know it hasn't happened right now, but my royalties will be coming. Okay. And um, you want that clear that when it comes to the work that I will be using myself to gain money, part of it will be used this way. The other part may be used that way. So you're speculating, yes, but you're speculating with a reason. And so again, you will find that kind of couple also coming to say, let's do a prenup. Others do it because we are marrying and then we are going to another country. Uh -uh. I want to be clear about certain things, including sometimes in the prenup, where I will be buried, you know, because I'm coming and I'm going to be a trailing spouse Mm -hmm. and you're taking me to the ends of the world. Is that where hope will be for me forever? What are some of the things that I will do with whatever little or much that I have as I leave my home country? So some of those things, you will then find them in the agreement. I like to say it's as wide as you want it to be but as logical and fair as it should be. And I like that thinking. You know, um, you've made me think about something that I've never thought about before. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm married, and mm-hmm. when I got married, um, in my mind, the um, explanation, mm-hmm. no, not the explanation, the evidence that mm-hmm. I was married in my marriage certificate. Correct. However, there are certain agreements that my husband and I have always had. Yeah. And, and there are things that perhaps you will discuss even before you get married and will be the basis of your getting married to each other because right. there has to be some union of some meeting of minds at some point. Correct. Mm-hmm. So, but there's no um, physical representation of these agreements that we have. Mm. And a prenuptial agreement could be just that. If you're to look at it in its most simplistic form, it is the written agreement between two spouses of how they intend to order their life. And that can include mm-hmm. b- um, burial rights, where I'd like to be buried. That can include exactly. property that we don't yet have. But yeah. in the event that we are to have it, this is how we will deviate up or this is how we will invest it. Correct. And it can include all of those provisions and it shouldn't necessarily be this scary document. It's just the written part of the verbal agreements that you most likely already have with your spouse. It, because it's an agreement, you mm-hmm. know, and um, and I like what you're saying because it's not... It's not like a micromanaging situation here. It's not about the little things about what we shall eat and what the menu will look like. It's about the serious things that can create a problem at some point. And what you're doing is stopping a problem from happening before it ever does so that you're both, you free yourselves of that worry. Yeah. So, of course, you don't want to go into something that then is a micromanager of the marital union. Yeah, we have to bear in mind all the time. It's imagine it's a very organic process, process, yeah. and it must be let to live its life. But there are some things that you don't want to just leave unattended, responsibly. 
And that's where the prenup comes, comes in, in to help you to responsibly deal with that. And thank you for that. So as I'm uh, as we end this episode, I just like to remind our guests that and our listeners, sorry, that um a prenuptial agreement is legal and binding in Kenya. It Correct. is uh, it is um afforded for in our law. But mm-hmm. if you do not get a prenuptial agreement, it's okay. You can come and do a postnuptial agreement. Mm-hmm. And that can also just be as binding and as um just as uh, a good agreement and enforceable mm-hmm. as a prenuptial agreement. And that a prenuptial agreement is not a scary thing. It's literally just an agreement of um, even future things that you have not thought about but that um, you see happening as you said the example of the actress if you see that you're going to have future earnings and you'd like to determine how they'll be invested how they'll be divided how you'd like them to be given to your future children that you do not yet have put those in but also you're not bound by that agreement that you put in place at the beginning you can review it you can review it based on the situation if your life situation has changed mm-hmm. either of you as parties either of you can review it it can be reviewed based off based off of um Maybe you've gotten more and you'd like to include those things inside the agreement. You can put those in and also just be reviewed because you choose that some of the clauses do not longer apply to your agreement. Mm -hmm. And at the end of it, it makes your life easier. Should your marriage then come to an end, you can then put in the the prenuptial agreement or the postnuptial agreement and have that attached to your divorce proceedings. And then the court can just enforce it and then you can go your ways as adults. And I think that's the whole purpose of this thing. Exactly. It enables you to have a dignified exit if you have to go in that direction. Yeah, it brings dignity to the way that you're ordering your things. So thank you for that. That brings us to the end of this episode. I'd like to thank my guest, Rose Mbanya. Thank you, Rose. Thank you, Jean. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm your host, Jean Kambuni. Tell us what you think about this episode on the comment section of our social media pages or on our email. Our email address is info at GVA Law Firm. You can also follow Gikera and Badgama Advocates on social media. You can find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as GVA Law Firm. Thank you again for joining us on the GVA Legal Podcast. Let's get free.